This is the Friday, June 2, 2023 version of the market analysis segment from Market to Market. A major swing in commodities this week, where weather took over as the biggest influence on the markets. For the week, the nearby wheat contract gained $0.03, cents, while the July corn contract added $0.15. Cents. The nearby contract in the soy complex went below $13 for the first time since December of 2021, but rebounded following a drier forecast in key growing regions. The July soybean contract improved $0.15, cents, while the July meal contract shed for 40 per ton. July cotton expanded 270 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, July class three milk futures dropped 45 cents. The livestock market was much higher. A August cattle improved 555. August feeders put on 1117. And the June lean hog contract skyrocketed higher. That's actually July hogs. They skyrocketed higher by 987 or 13%. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index lost 17 ticks. July crude oil dropped 106 per barrel. COMEX gold added 260 per ounce. And the Goldman Sachs commodity index shed almost four points to settle at 541.95. Joining us now, regular market analyst Elaine Cub. Nothing to talk about, Elaine. <laughs> it's a good week to be here, I think. Well, it wasn't good if we would have started, if we would have recorded the show Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday was so bad. Wheat, corn, soybeans. Start with wheat. Why is that so bad right now? Well, yeah, yeah, everything is bad for wheat. I mean, if you're a wheat producer, you probably don't have wheat. Uh, about a third of the wheat fields in the southern plains in the United States, winter wheat fields, are going to be abandoned this year. If you're a co-op and you're paying these high prices in an inverted market and you have no cost of carry to collect on this, I mean, there's really nothing very nice to say about wheat. If you're a wheat consumer, obviously you're paying $7.90 for wheat. Um, high prices, drought, drought is not good for anybody, basically. Do you see any bounce back up in this market in the near future for wheat? Well, no. I think the most interesting thing to say about wheat is to, again, to stick with this hard red wheat market in the Southern Plains, which is the most interesting piece right now. The most interesting thing to consider is where are these acres going to go, the acres that have been abandoned, and how will that affect the other markets, the row crop markets, um, sorghum and corn specifically. Yeah. Let's move to corn where the weather story became... A factor. We had conditions come out for the first time on Tuesday. Oh, it's not as bad as it's worse than 2012. Gets some people talking, but then we get these rain showers. Yeah, but they're not widespread. Yeah. So. Is weather the biggest story and the reason we're testing levels now? I don't, I don't think so necessarily. I think that the particularly on Friday, I think the higher trade that we saw in most of the, these commodity markets, the grain markets and the livestock markets to some degree, is everything was higher. The stock market was higher. There's less fear that the Federal Reserve is going to bump up interest rates again. And so that allowed a lot of just financial trading and a lot of things to move up. I think that's that's a big piece of corn moving higher, soybean oil moving higher, soybeans moving higher. Um, but weather is some of it because you talked about the rain and it wasn't enough rain in the center of the corn belt where things are starting to look dry. And the condition ratings in this first piece are actually, they're fine. You know, it's it's very early in the season. You can't get too worried about a very young cornfield when Iowa is rated 77% good to excellent. We're not that worried about it yet, but you can see why there would be some bullish concern uh, going forward if we don't get rain. So would you be sold all of your old crop Oh, By now? yes, I would. Okay, be. so then I where would, would you be? Okay, 
Where would you be then on your new crop bushels? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, these are, yeah, I, I would be concerned about them moving lower too. But let's talk about old crop real quick because, yes, I am a risk-averse person. I would not still be holding on to it. But I think some people out there still are. And they're, they're basing this on the history of like 2013, 2015, 2016, 2019, when you get these big spikes in the summer. In the middle of June or the middle of July, you see a big spike in basis and these very high prices for summer old crop corn. I don't know that that's a great expectation in 2023. Basis values are already so rich and so strong that this won't be a surprise to the corn buyers out there. I don't think that we're going to see some July spike because end users are all of a sudden concerned. I think there's much more potential for that to weaken. Okay, so on the new crop, there's a story out late Friday, right before we taped, that the Secretary of Ag asked for a dispute settlement consultation on GM corn with Mexico. This this debate's been going on. Does that have any market influence moving down the road? I mean, I suspect it will be really hard to tease that out on Monday, assuming that people will react to this on Monday and not forget about it over the weekend. It will be really hard to tease that out from any other market factor, but you're right, it's not great. It's not a great sign when our biggest corn customer is not um, giving much certainty to the market at okay. this point. Soybeans, um, we had, it seemed, before the weekend, weather wasn't a story. Weather became a story for soybeans. However, China has, excuse me, had a little bit of a maybe a resurgence of COVID that might be influencing some parts. What's the biggest weight on that scale right now? I think you're right. When you look internationally, it's more of a lid on soybeans, even Brazil's very fast shipping pace. We, we had a boost here on Friday, and as I mentioned, I think that might have been led by the soybean oil, actually. But, but you're right. When you look internationally towards the trade between Brazil and China and, and the competition that we would face in that trade to try and pick up a piece of that, that will be keeping a lid on, on U.S. soybean prices, I think, for the foreseeable future. Then the cattle. Yes, the cattle. Big story on Thursday was that in the south, we opened at 175 quickly spread word to the north that this high rate was coming and the market took off. This thing looks like a rocket on the chart. Yes, it does. Is that rocket still going up? Well, I mean, as Walt Hackney would say, how much money do you want to make, right? I mean, yeah, cash cattle went up $8 this week, which I am delighted to be here to say. Um, so yeah, you've got live, live basis trading at 180, the dressed basis trading at 292. The Packers just finally had to pay up, and it's the same story that we've been talking about for the year for a year now. Is that you know there's just not the numbers out there, and they need to get those animals, and they finally had to pay up for it. And listen, when when the choice cutout is kind of dwindling here, or sort of plateauing at about 306, that will cut into Packer profits. Packer profits, you're going to pencil out at a slight negative at this point, but so be it. They are just going to have to share what they can because that's the structure of the market at this point. The feedlots have the power because they are the ones that have the scarce numbers. Talk about the packer, let's talk about the consumer. Uh, TD in Nebraska asked us this week on Facebook, does the overly simplistic and perhaps outdated theory that the consumer will switch to cheaper chicken and pork if beef gets too high need to be put to rest based off 2023 year-to-date trends? I think that's a really interesting question, and I think it would take a lot of like um, in-depth study about the elasticity of demand for beef because it's it's sort of a different product than chicken or pork. I mean, it's it's it is more of a luxury product. I know that people get angry when I say that, but it is. Um, but the the other really active piece of that, particularly, is what will happen to pork prices after July first in this post Prop Twelve environment. So. 
if you had pork prices get suddenly very cheap, I think then the calculus does sort of change, even for the beef consumers who are locked into wanting to grill beef this summer. One more note on feeder, on cattle before we move to feeders. Anything to do with southern rain issues impacting numbers <clears throat> of herd that we didn't anticipate with flooding and the panhandles of, of Texas and Oklahoma reducing what you said already a, a lower number yeah. that was out there. I don't know if those death losses are enough to be a market mover, but I do feel strongly that that rain that has come in the southern plains this over this past week or 10 days and kind of across the western sort of cattle country part of the United States, that has been very helpful for the, for the fetal, feeder cattle market, more so than for the live cattle market, because people are out there looking for those grass calves. And this year, they finally have some grass to put them on. The, the pasture and range conditions, it's like 43% good to excellent, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's better than it was, and it shows an improvement, and it shows some more optimism. Again, maybe not as sharp as a rocket, but still moving up pretty high in feeders. Um, yeah. You wish you had those feeders back to sell again this week? No, 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 I think they did fine. But um, th that is something that you'll note at the sale barns is that there's just not a lot of numbers out there. People want to buy and, and fill up those feedlots and just scarcity is there. You look at the, the, the numbers of animals that have been slaughtered, that's down year over year. The numbers that are coming through the sale barns are down. Yeah, it, it's, it's a scarce market. The power is, is at the owners. You talked about the hog market and Prop 12. Are we getting close? We're under a month now before this is really going to maybe take effect. Is that what this bounce is in this market, or is that yeah. one of them dead cat, dead cat bounce things? <laughs> dead pig bounce. Um, oh, sure. Part of it. So part, we started this week coming back off of last week's lows, about $5. And I think that is just sort of a reaction, just a correction to the overreaction of last week. But then you get to Friday, and finally the state of California did issue some more clarity about what they will allow retailers to sell. Retailers are, it turns out, going to be able to sell non-compliant pork, which frankly sounds like something out of 1984, non-compliant pork, but they will be able to sell what they have now in storage. So all of the pork that is sitting in California now that's non-compliant does not have to be abandoned. That glut won't be there. So that I think really helped on Friday. That explains some of the rest of that boost to that market. But it remains a big question mark of, of how this really happens for the rest of the market or even for the prices in California once, uh, once that goes into effect. Do we think it's going to be a regional impact on California? Those closest to will benefit on that premium? Well, no, because so much of the processing, I mean, all basically all of the hog processing in the United States takes place in the Midwest, and, and Iowa is the leader of that. It's so far from California. It's not like there's somebody that I know of, like right on the court, on the, you know, on the state line in sure. Nevada with a pork processing plant, although maybe they'll build one, because I suspect that the premiums for, for California pork will be quite large. And the premiums for the hogs is the interesting piece, the premium or the discount, if you look at it that way. When I looked at this back in 2021 doing some research, if you have a sudden glut of oversupply of hogs, that, that spread between compliant and non-compliance could be 10 to $20. And I think that that's what we're going to see in July. We'll pick it up in a minute. Thanks, Elaine. Thanks. That's going to do it here as we put a pause in this analysis, continue our discussion about these markets in our Market Plus segment. You can find both analysis and plus on our website of markettomarket.org. These resources are free. And if you are one of the thousands already in our YouTube subscription community, you know the little secret we have about the program. Click the subscribe button at youtube.com slash market to market so you can join in that club. Next week, we take the temperature of the pork industry after that Supreme Court ruling. Thank you so much for watching and have a great week.